MLS Week 10 is in the books, and believe it or not, Paul Tenorio has not demanded a trade. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Skolarsep, and uh, in the wake of the Columbus Crew uh, unhappiness fiasco, Paul Tenorio and I are back. Uh, we, we had some time off the show. Did take a bit of a, a break, but we're back just in time to talk about Mr. Kai Kamara, Federico Higuain, and that whole soap opera. We're going to catch up on MLS Week 10. And we're going to look ahead to the busy midweek action in MLS. And, of course, we didn't forget about the U.S. national team's preliminary Copa America roster. We'll touch on on all of it now and with us to talk about it. And currently uh, nursing a broken heart because his Washington Capitals have been eliminated again, my man Paul Tenorio. Paul, how you doing? Yeah, you want to talk about being a team player. It is recovering from an overtime loss in Game 6 to, to talk soccer for the SBI show, no matter what, man, I, I, I give the assists. I score the goals. I don't need to hit the, I don't need the penalty kicks, man. <laughs> you don't need the penalty kicks. Okay. So who, 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 who deserves to get traded Ovechkin or Kai Kamara? Who deserves to get traded more? I'm trying to figure that out. No, I'm just for sure. Kai Kamara, man. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a back Ovi to, to the end, no matter what. All right. All right. Yeah. No, but hey, any, any, anyone out there who had, who's had a sports team that's broken their heart multiple times, I'm sure can relate to your uh, your capitals fandom but uh so we'll all we'll all pour out a little liquor for for paul's uh, paul's emotions <laughs> on this uh tuesday night but we had plenty to talk about even, even even if we hadn't taken a week off there's still a ton to talk about just what happened the last couple of days here we're gonna start off of course with the columbus crew soap opera the kai kamara drama paul paul, paul it, it, can you think of a of a situation like this that has happened, and for those who are who have been a, in a you know been in a cave for the last four days, Kai Kamara ripped Federico Iguain because he didn't let him take a penalty kick to convert a hat trick, and the Columbus Crew ended up collapsing and blowing a three goal lead, and now there's talk that Kai Kamara might get traded because he went off on his on his teammate. Uh, what, what do you what do you make of all this drama? First of all, I think that it was childish on both parts during the game about the penalty kick. Um, I think it was so blind of Kai Kamara to talk after the game about who's being a selfish teammate. With He had no self-awareness about the fact that he was talking so selfishly about how important his individual stats were both last year and this year. Um, and, and I think it's also... You know, look, as reporters, we always want honesty. And I think that's been a lot of the talk. Oh, you know, everyone wants people to be honest. And now no one's going to want to be honest. Like, you can be honest without ripping your teammates in the press and and, and just crushing somebody who is going to be important to your team uh, and is going to be important to team chemistry publicly. Um, so I thought I thought on multiple levels, Kai Kamara crossed the line. I thought Iguain could have done better with the penalty kick situation. Uh, but in the whole grand scheme of things, I think Kai Kamara is by far uh, the one in the wrong more here. And, and it really puts Greg Berhalter in a bind because, you know, you have to evaluate, can this team survive uh, its two-star players going at each other like this? Well, that's the thing. It's, they're, they're not going at each other. Kai Kamara is going at Iguain because as, as of Tuesday evening, we have not heard from Federico Iguain. <laughs> He's taking the high road right now, and yeah, but you got to imagine this beef goes longer well, right. than just this last couple see, of days, right? See, yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing: like, if anything, Kamara has definitely opened up a window into his soul, and what we've seen is 
the guy is extremely selfish. And no one should be shocked by that. Strikers by nature, they're kind of like uh, wide receivers in football. They just, you know, they want the ball. It's about them. It's about the ego. It what it's what fuels them. And you know, it's one thing to I, the ripping a teammate is one thing, but like the things that he said made him look worse. And that's and that's where he just really dug himself a, a grave there because if he was looking for sympathy, bringing up the fact that he missed out on the golden boot. I mean, I just said that was last year because he didn't take the penalties. That was a little, that. I mean, it made it obvious right there. It, like for me, it, it sounded like he spent the winter kind of thinking about this and thinking about how why he missed out on the golden boot. And one thing that I feel like people aren't uh, just have glossed over or are ignoring is the fact that Federico Wayne has taken the penalties for the crew since 2012, since he arrived. So for me, I don't have a problem with with, with Iguain kind of stepping forward and saying, "Listen, I'm taking the penalty." Um, I mean, I understand, yes, he with the whole hat trick thing, but uh, for me, I just I just think he, you know, he Iguain has always taken them, and I don't I don't think he was just gonna acquiesce to to Kamara just because Kamara wanted it. So I, I don't have a problem with what Iguain did, but Kamara, what he did was was so crazy. And what was funny about it is. When he talked after in, in both in the TV interview that he did, and and the, the the print interviews he did in the locker room, uh, it was almost as if he was implying that if if Iguain hadn't if Iguain had just let him take the penalty, they don't lose the game, and that was just that that was pretty absurd to, for him to say that because it, number one Iguain hit a perfect penalty. I'm talking per like it wasn't getting saved. Number one. And number two, it was defensive breakdowns that led to that. It wasn't as if, uh, you know, Ethan Finley was so stunned by the penalty fiasco that he 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 decided to trip Piatti, right? It was it was it had nothing to do with that. If anything, it, it, if you could point to anything, you could say, hey, Kamara probably mailed it in after that whole thing. He did because he didn't look the same after. He let it get in his head. He and, more than mailed it in, Ivis. I think one thing people aren't talking about, there's a moment, I think it's in like, the 80th odd minute, somewhere in there, the last 20 minutes of the game, 15, 20 minutes of the game, where he gets on the ball. He first has Waylon Francis overlapping him on the left side, ignores that, cuts inside to his right foot. Then he's got Finley on a run on the right side where if he just pauses for a second and plays the through ball in, Finley's in on goal. And instead he rips a shot from 35 yards out trying to get himself a hat trick and comes nowhere close to the goal. And obviously the equalizer comes 10 minutes later or so. I mean, to me, that stands out as as a selfish act just as much as anything else he did. Right, absolutely. And, I mean, it's funny because the guy scored two goals in that game, but yet you could look at that, look at the things he did after that penalty situation, and you could kind of call him one of the goats in that whole game. Actually, if you look at the replay of the of the equalizing goal, the, the, the goal that tied it at the end for Montreal, you can find Kai Kamara in the penalty area in no man's land, kind of not doing anything. So, I mean... If he wants to blame anyone, I mean, start with he could start with himself. Uh, now the thing is, it's one thing for a guy to speak his mind and maybe put his foot in his mouth, but he's doubled down on this. Now he came back on Tuesday, spoke to the media on Tuesday, and he is he's come out and said, "I don't regret a thing I said. Like I take I don't take back anything I said." So he's standing his ground. He be- he doesn't believe he said anything wrong, and that's put the crew in this situation where they are definitely listening to offers. And it really sounds like they're they're taking it seriously. They actually could trade him by the Wednesday deadline, and that's pretty crazy to think that a guy who was you know this close to the Golden Boot got his team to the MLS Cup final in December might have just bur- burned the bridge and worn out his welcome. I mean, it's who would have thought who would have thought that who would have saw that coming a week ago? No, no way. You know, I don't think anyone would have seen it coming a week ago. But I think when he signed with Columbus, there were some people who saw it coming, who saw it coming that Kai Kamara. 
was going to create issues with whatever team he was on within the first couple of years of being there. I'll be honest to you that I heard, I had people that that said something to me about it. Uh, I think he had developed. He was he was very well loved in Kansas City by the fans, but I think that there were issues in that locker room uh, that he created that that you know made it easy for them to to let him go and move on and play in England. So um, you know it's re- it's really going to be intriguing to me if this trade happens in the next day or so, or even if it happens in the window anywhere within the league. You better be a team that needs to win this year, and you're looking at it as a one year deal, maybe tops a two year deal because. I I think that that this is a guy who could cause issues in your locker room that does long term damage if you're not ready for it. No, I agree. I agree. And I tell you what, it, it Kai Kamara deserves Kai Kamara deserves ninety nine percent of the blame in this whole thing, or let's say ninety ninety five percent of the blame. But the Columbus Crew deserve a little little small part of the blame, and you know why? Because guess who gave him that million dollar contract, the designated player contract, after he basically threatened to hold out. In oh so many words, uh, you know he had he 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 basically, uh, you know held I don't want to say held him hostage, but he pretty much said, look, you pay me, pay me, or it's not going to be good for you. Like and and for some other teams, they would have laughed in the player's face if they tried that. I mean, you go to New England, you go to the New England Revolution with an ultimatum like that, you're gonna sit on the bench and you're gonna you know you're gonna collect dust, okay, until you until you come around. But the Columbus Crew. They bought, they said, okay, you know what? We'll pay you your money. And at the time, I I thought it was an interesting. I I didn't I wasn't a big fan of the trade because number one, it's not like he's he's not 26, 27 years old. He's 31. This was the first big big year that he ever had, and and he he had already I don't want to say washed out, but let's stay. He didn't exactly kill it in in Europe. So where was his leverage really to 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 force the crew to give him a million dollar contract and give him a designated player contract. Like I'm all for players uh using their leverage and or, or or getting all the money they can get. But the Columbus crew uh could they you know what they could have handled that a little differently. They were pretty soft in that whole negotiations. They gave him a deal that I from what and I'm sure you heard similar things. I mean I heard it I mean it was shocking around the league uh talking to different people that a guy who had one big year got himself a million dollar DP deal and you know what? That might have created a monster because once Kamara got what he wanted by pretty much, you know, sending an ultimatum and threatening the team, it. I mean, if his ego wasn't big before then, I mean, what was it after then, right? So at that point, he's like, well, I got my DP deal. I'm the man. Uh, Iguain's not the man. I'm the man. And then he, and who knows? In his own mind, he created this whole, you know, me against Iguain, who's really the man situation. And now that's now it's come to a head. No, no doubt, no doubt. I, I, I agree. I think that they need to accept responsibility for it. I, I think you're right to go to and he, you know, similar tactics, right? He went to the press, uh, to voice his opinion about this new deal and saying he wasn't going to come. And I think the other, the, I mean, the ironic thing about it now is you put you not only perhaps created the monster, but you've also created the monster that makes a trade very difficult because not a lot of teams in MLS are willing to take on. Kai Kamara at a million dollars. They right. would have been, you know, he would have been an easily movable piece at four hundred thousand. He is not at one million bucks, and that is, a, you know, that's probably the thing that makes it not get done if it doesn't get done before this this first window closes. And it's a reason why if he's going to go somewhere, it might be back overseas. And you know what? Even there, I don't know if anyone's going to want to pay a million bucks for the guy. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough one. It's a tough one, and 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 it's funny because I I mean I made the point at the time I put it on Twitter that you know I think he I think the market for him is down, and and I got I got a couple of people who disagreed with me. 
among them, Eric Winalda, Stuart Holden. Uh, you know, they they just they thought, hey, you know what? A, a striker who scores goals, people do not care about all the baggage. I disagree with that. Are there some teams who might who might be willing to take the baggage? Sure, but there are definitely teams who saw this whole fiasco and said to themselves, nope, I want no part of that. I want no part of Kai Kamara. I don't need him coming to my team, bringing that ego to my team. And that list of teams that the crew can go talk to has gotten shorter. After, you know, after all this has gone down. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure there's teams that are interested uh, from, from what we've heard. Uh, the crew have been inundated with calls about Kamara, about Higuain. I know some people are saying, why don't you just trade Higuain? I think that would send the absolute wrong message because, I mean, you're going to just... I mean, Kamara, forget Kamara would want to be the coach at that point. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you trade the guy he doesn't like, like, just because he doesn't like him, I mean, that, that'd be disastrous. That's why, that's why it seems like all, the writing's on the wall now that the crew are, are looking to trade them and they're seriously looking to trade them. So we'll see how that plays out. We won't make the whole show about that soap opera. We got to talk about some games and we'll start off with the weekend's games. Uh, we'll have to start with the, the, the game where the soap opera began four, four draw Columbus leading four, one, and then the collapse and credit to Montreal. They turned it on late. Piatti, Drogba, Oduro. They made it happen. What'd you think of that comeback? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the thing that that got overlooked, right? I thought Piatti was fantastic again. Um, puts himself back in the conversation for MLS MVP this year. The dude is just on fire right now. I mean, he's scoring goals. I don't know that he's ever scored at this rate in his career before. He's taken, um, you know, his ability to distribute, and now he's created uh, a monster in the sense of like, look, if you're not going to step to me, if you're going to anticipate my passes, or you think I'm just going to distribute, I'm going to put the ball in the back of the net and. Uh, he's done it really efficiently this year, and I think once again Montreal is showing. I mean, this is a team that that will fight in every game. That they they can beat you in multiple ways. They've got some defensive issues to figure out for sure. Obviously, you give up four goals, you're not walking away feeling super happy. But you know, th- I think they're a team that can that can put up goals at any time, and uh, they're going to be in every game this season because of it. So, um, you know, a, a really uh, I think a lot of credit to Montreal for not go- going out in this game. Uh, down 4-1 and, and fighting back into it. But for me, I mean, Piotti is the story of this team right now, and he was the story of that game. Right. No, that's it. no, no question. I mean, he was the, he was voted MLS Player of the Week. Uh, just, uh, you know, he deserved it. For me, the guy I'd like to talk about is Domaduro, because we all know about Drogba. We all know about Piotti having a great year that he's having. But Domaduro is a guy, when he's on his game, I mean, he's unguardable because he's so fast. But the problem is he isn't consistent. So, it, you know, one one minute the guy is like Samuel Ato in his prime, and the, and the next he's like a guy. He's, he's he looks like Hat Trick Rick from the Landon Donovan commercials, where he, he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't really look like he can play. I mean, straight up. But you give that Domador credit. The guy, I mean, he's constantly hustling, and when he's on, he is so dangerous. And he was on in this game. He came on in that game, and he 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 was really the difference maker. I mean, as much as uh, Piatti and and, uh, and Drogba did their thing. Uh, once Oduro came in, well, once, once he started running around, he unsettled them to uh, so much that he really he really was the X factor that got them to draw. And a, if you're the Columbus Crew, you need to work out the defensive issues, no question about it. Uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, they they need to get Sorrow in there. I, I'm I've never really been sold on Tyson Wall. I think they need to get, I need to get, they need to get that sorted out, but. If they can, de- if they can clean up this Kamara soap opera fiasco, I think the crew can still be a top team. But it's just a question of 
Will they trade him? And if they don't trade him, will he behave? So we'll see how that plays out. Montreal, though, we all know they're 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 dangerous, dangerous team. Moving on to what some a battle of the two top. Who would have thought this would be a battle of the top two teams record wise, points wise in the league? Colorado Rapids, Real Salt Lake, shorthanded RSL against the Red Hot Rapids team. And credit to Colorado, they do it again. Another win, another Jermaine Jones goal. And Jermaine Jones, is he, he's a playmaker, apparently. He's, apparently, he is an attacking midfielder. Who knew? Pablo Mascherini has uncovered the fountain of youth for Jermaine Jones, and that is making him your playmaker. So, I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Jurgen <laughs> Jurgen Klinsman thinks he's the new number nine, right? It's like the dude's playing the, the 10 spot, and he can, he, you know, he's scoring goals the way he is. I mean, no one, no one, no one could have seen this coming, except for, I guess, Pablo Mascherini, who put him there. Um, you know, look, this guy is a, is a difference maker on teams. We talked about it before when the move first happened. I said, you know, there was there, there's certain guys you see play, and for me, it, it sticks in my mind. I'll bring it up again. I went and saw the U.S. national team train uh, for the first time in a while, and the way Jermaine Jones was going through every single drill like it was a freaking 89th minute of a championship game, I was like, wow, like you can see that quality of, of professionalism and leadership that – I had heard Klinsman talk about, but, you know, you kind of, like, roll your eyes out a little bit. And I think that, you know, talking to guys who have played with him, that's, that's the impact he has on teams. And, you know, obviously his ability on the field, uh, he's one of the best in MLS. And, and it's really unbelievable what he's done to, to turn himself now into a number 10 and, and to be a goal scorer. And I'm, I'm really intrigued to watch how it plays out, you know, going forward because – you know, can he maintain this form over the course of another 24 games? Uh, and 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 how much is Tim Howard going to bring a lift? I mean, it's really it's 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 just fun to it's kind of fun to watch play out right now, isn't it? Right. I mean, I think what's great about it is, and if you're if you're a neutral like you and I are, it's fun because we've we've watched Colorado be bad for so long that it's like the novelty of them all of a sudden being good and being tough. I mean, I've been around long enough to remember when they actually were pretty decent, but they I mean, I can't remember them being this good in a long time. And 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 Jermaine Jones has made all the difference absolutely because he just brings a certain mentality to that team. He obviously brings quality on the field, but I feel like off the field in the locker room, you know, when I talk to the uh, New England guys about him, uh, they all said the same thing, that he just brings a certain kind of aura to the locker room. And, and not in the sense of like, oh, I'm this great player, you must follow me. But he's just one He's just one of the guys, but he's also a guy who works so hard, he sets the bar really high. And he's an easy guy to follow because you see him work that hard. And I feel like a Colorado team now that, that is buying into it and enjoying the wins, it's, get, it's becoming infectious. Now, are they a championship team? I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet, but it's great to see how much progress they made. And I do want to see what the difference is when Tim Howard comes in. Uh, Zach McMath has been inconsistent, obviously, but I give him credit. He had a really good game against RSL. Hats off them. He deserves it. He earned the shutout. He played well there. Uh, but the Rapids, man, they're a handful, and they're so tough to deal with game in and game out. They're going to be in every game, it seems like. Uh, next game we have to talk about Seattle Sounders defeating the San Jose Earthquakes. And somebody stopped Jordan Morris. He cannot stop scoring. And think about it. A month ago, people were were already already digging the grave and calling him overrated and saying, ah, he's a a victim of the hype and this and that. And look at him, four games, four goals, playing, gaining confidence each week. Uh, And obviously Seattle needing, climbing out of the hole that they dug for themselves. They're starting to come around. 
what do you see? What do you see from the Seattle team? Well, I think a big part of it for Jordan Morris is you know they moved him to the center forward role. He had been playing in that in the winger role more um, than anywhere else, and he you know he talked. I talked to him last week going into this game, and he said, "Yeah, of course, I feel more comfortable in that that center forward role." Obviously, playing on the wing is somewhere I'm, I'm learning parts of my game I need to work on. But I think that move has really helped to bring a little bit more comfort to Jordan Morris. And, and through doing that, has brought more comfort to the, the chemistry of the forward line, which I think was obviously really lacking early this season for Seattle. And, you know, it's funny when you talk about people killing Jordan Morris early in the year. You know, I looked back at it. I mean, Kyle Lahren didn't play for his first, what, three of his first four games as a rookie and didn't score till his sixth game, just like Jordan Morris. Um, so, you know, I didn't know, I, I got that there was hype, but there was hype for Kyle too. And, you know, it's going to take time and, and strikers are, are streaky players. We all know that. And, you know, I, I think everyone felt like that first goal was going to be so important because the pressure that existed was going to kind of ease off of Jordan Morris. And, and that's exactly what happened. And, and I think you saw. I think you see that, especially on this this most recent goal he scored. You know, just hits a ball from distance, and somehow it scores through and into the net. I think even he was surprised that it broke through there. So, um, you know, it, hey, give Seattle, him credit, hey, give him some credit, man. He put it through. He put it through Sean Francis's legs. That's why David Bingham had no idea what was going on because he it was like the perfect the perfect through the five hole. Uh, keeper saw it late, but yeah, no, he's he's gaining confidence with with each game. Uh, but sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but I, I got to say, overall, Seattle, it's not just the forwards. I mean, I think the midfield's coming together. Eric, Eric Freeberg is definitely making a difference there, and, and they're really starting to find a rhythm. They still need a – there's still a piece missing, you feel. They haven't replaced Obafemi Martins yet. Uh, the deadline is tomorrow, or it's Wednesday. Uh, doesn't look like they're going to add a DP by then. So do you see the Seattle team having the weapons to kind of stay afloat until the summer? I think so. I think that's uh, clearly with what they've done in the last few games, that's the belief in Seattle as well. You know, hey, let's let's go ahead. Let's make sure we we make the right move here. Let's wait until the summer. And maybe the player that they want to sign isn't going to be available till the summer anyways. But, you know, you're looking at what three wins in their last four games, just one loss in their last six. I think that the confidence is building in Seattle. They feel like, okay, we're riding the ship. We're going to be okay. Obviously, you know, they've got some tough games coming up. They're at Dallas this week. Uh, they got Colorado coming up. And, and so, you know, I, I, it's, gonna, it's not going to be easy for them. But I think what we're seeing is that this is more of, a, of a, the Seattle we expected and less of the team that opened the season with three straight losses. Right, right. And uh, moving on now to we're heading up north to Canada, Toronto FC unveiling their beautiful Newly renovated BMO Field uh, in what was an absolute spectacle, uh, taking on FC Dallas, a 1-0 victory for TFC. And none other than your boy, Subasta Endo, scoring the game winner for TFC. And and what do you know, man? They, they, are, they are rolling. They got through that road trip, that long, that grueling road trip with, with some good results. Now they're back home. They're gaining confidence. And they, they're kind of they, they're looking like an MLS Cup contender, man. What do you, what do you see there? I was just wondering if you're going to give my boy Endo some props. That's all. I was, I was just hey, waiting for hey, that. Hey, look, that was a nice goal. That was a ni- nicely worked kind of give and go. I still had to give Jordan Morris the, pl- the rookie of the week nod over Endo. I know Endo scored the winner, but I thought overall Morris's game. I thought he had a better game. That's just me. But uh, I know TFC people weren't happy about that. Our, our boy Kurt, Kurt Larson calling me calling me out because we all know <laughs> no, Kurt. Endo, Endo played homer. well. Oh, no, played yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you taking homer shots at Kurt? Huh? 
No, I mean, look, I thought Endo, I think Endo fits the system really well in Toronto. And I think that Toronto, that's a sign of how far Toronto has come, right? They are, they now have an established way that they like to play. They found the guys that fit the roles that they needed, especially I think Will Johnson, what he's brought to the midfield with Michael Bradley. And it's all kind of calmed things down for them. And, you know, Endo's a part of that. His off-the-ball movement, his connection with Giovinco, we see it growing and growing. And, you know, for me, the question is, you know, how much are you buying into the criticism of Josie Altidore, who obviously hasn't scored yet this season, you know, hasn't even been that active when it comes to, to finding the net with, with his shots. But his work rate, you know, in every other aspect of the game has been fantastic. Where do you fall on the line of, you know, how much pressure should be on Josie right now? Uh, I actually think he's done well. I mean, I know everyone looks at goal scored, right? They look at the production of a striker, and that's obviously a big part of the job. But for me, I, I think he's done well. I think he's done a lot of the dirty work that you need. Look, you have Sebastian Javinko, right? He's going to be the focal point of your attack. So you need players that take pressure off of him, that give him support. And I think Josie Altidore is doing that right now. And 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 trust me, we've all seen Jose, we've all seen the Josie Altidore that's not playing well. We've seen the Josie Altidore who looks really lazy. The Josie Altidore who looks not focused. We we know what that looks like. This is not that Josie Altidore. For me, this Josie Altidore is trying to work hard, is trying to make things happen. Uh, I think for as as improved as TFC is. I still have some questions about their attack because, again, Sabasa Endo, nice rookie, but is he's not, I mean, if you're playing him as an attacking midfielder, he is not Diego Valeri. He is not, you know, Piatti. He's not, like, on that higher level of, of an attacker. Uh, and you look at the rest of that that midfield, I mean, you know, in that against FC Dallas, you're just starting Marky Delgado. He's not really an attacker. Will Johnson can give you a little two-way play, but he's not really that dangerous attacker. So I think, for me, if anything, part of the reason Altidore isn't, kind of doing more is because it's really just Javinko that really, really gives you consistent attack, especially with Michael Bradley taking on a bit more of a defensive role on this team. So it's a team that's built to get results, but it's not, it's not a team that I don't see. I don't see Josie Altador racking up the stats and I don't think he's going to mind as long as he, as long as they keep on winning. I don't think Greg Vanny's going to mind as long as they keep on winning. I know us fans are worried because he's not scoring goals, but if you're Jurgen Klinsman, what matters the most to you is seeing a Josie Altidore that's working hard, that's fit, that looks strong. That's what you want because once you bring him into the U.S. fold and once you get him around all, you know, Clint Dempsey and Fabian Johnson and Bedoya and, and, and that group of guys, I think you will see goals from him because we've seen it throughout his national team career. When he's healthy, he scores goals. We have to, Real quick transition, we have to talk about FC Dallas and the slump that they're in. Now, they played a little better in this game, definitely better than they looked against the Red Bulls. Um, do you, are you are you worried about this team, or you think it's another one of these FC Dallas kind of roller coaster things where they'll get it back together before before we know it? Yeah, but doesn't the FC Dallas swoon usually happen in the summer? Like, I feel like it's too early for the normal FC Dallas, like, we're out of it, and then we're back in it thing. No, I mean, yeah, I think you should be worried about this team. And, and the weird thing is, like, I... I feel like I, I can't put my finger on what exactly is wrong here. You know, obviously the injury to Hedges in the middle of the back line, maybe that has an impact having, you know, having Diaz out for as many games as he was out. Now he's trying to come back in and transition in. But, you know, I just, I'm having trouble figuring out what exactly needs to change with this team to break out of this slump they're in right now. And I don't know that there's an easy answer. I don't know that other than it's just like, hey, we need to just, keep doing what we're doing and we're going to fall back on 
what we did early in the year because this league is like this. You, you're going to go through through times where you lose three, four in a row, and you've got to just figure out a way to break out of the slump. And I guess I feel like maybe that's what it is. I don't because I because I can't put a finger on anything. Right. I'll tell you what. I'm personally not worried about these guys, and I'll tell you why. I was at the Red Bulls game when they got smoked by the New York Red Bulls, and I thought their reaction to that game and the, and, and the way they kind of they kind of came together after that game. It, it kind of showed me something because it showed me a team that is more mature, a team that understands that they didn't play well enough and they need to step it up. They need to play better. I mean, at the end of the day, we're looking at them and we're talking about the slump they're in. It's three games, a three-game road stretch against three teams that made the that made the playoffs last year. So again, when you look at it like that, it's not. This isn't a seven-game slide, uh, losing to bad teams. I mean, Vancouver is not a, a world beater. But it's still tough to play up there. I mean, look, Portland just lost up there, right? So I mean, Dallas. I think once they get back home, I think we'll see we'll, we'll see an improvement from them. Uh, you know, back in the comfort zone. Matt Hedges being out obviously hurts them, right? Because he's you know one of the best defenders in the league. But I think I, I just saw from their reaction to that game showed me something. I mean, I, I talked to Victor Uyoa, and he even said it. I mean, him and Fabian Castillo, I talked to both of them, and they were both very like they they understood that it wasn't good enough. They got played off the park. The energy level the Red Bulls had was was on ten, and FC Dallas was on two. But you know that's worrisome. But at least they at least they got it. They understood that that wasn't good enough. And when they grouped together in the huddle after the game on the field at Red Bull Arena, and were pretty much like, "Listen, guys, we know this isn't good enough. Let's 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 remember this feeling because you know we we need to learn from this." And that is that struck me as a team that is maturing because you would not have seen that scene two years ago from this young FC Dallas team. So I, I'm not too worried. They got a couple home games coming up. They're playing Portland and Seattle. Not easy games by any means. If they lose these two games, then yeah, you can start to worry. But I think coming back home is going to help them. And I think I think they will start to turn it around. Uh, moving on now, next game. Uh, we're not going to spend 20 minutes on every game, folks. So don't you worry. We'll, we'll start to uh, cut it down a little bit. But we have to talk about a couple of games that that definitely drew, drew drew our attention, especially Paul drew Paul's attention. Houston Dynamo, Sporting Kansas City. The Dynamo snapped their winless slide uh, with a two zero victory. KC is now the one on the winless slide. Paul, what is going on with Sporting Kansas City? Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. This I wanted to ask you that. I mean, we talk, we just talked about Dallas. Don't worry about Dallas, right? Three games, no big deal. This is a six game winless streak. For Sporting Kansas City right now, four losses in their last six, five losses in their last eight, um, and and I think what's worrisome is when you hear Peter Vermees talk about it, he's not talking about what they're doing wrong tactically or you know not scoring goals or defensively they're not good enough. He's talking about the heart of the team, the energy, the fact that guys aren't trying hard enough, and that's a red flag, man. That is not a good sign. And you think in your mind, okay, maybe that's fixable. We have a team meeting. And we just try harder. But if if your coach has to go call you out publicly in the press and hold team meetings to tell you to try harder, what does that say about the team, right? Yeah, it's not, it's definitely not a good look for them. And before the season began, when we did our preview stuff, our, our team previews, the thing with Sporting Kansas City that worried me was their offense. Would they be able to generate enough offense on a consistent basis? Uh, you obviously go. You lose a player like Christian Namath. You didn't really replace him. They did go and get some midfielders, but mid, was midfield even an issue for them? I know they have Matt and Davis now, um, but if you look now in this stretch, this two, what is it? Six game winless stretch. They didn't. They they have not scored more than a goal 
in any of those games. And, and, and you know, the defense, you can say what you want, but uh, if you're only getting a goal a game, you're just not going to do that well. And it's the, it's the, the question is the attack, is the attack good enough? Does Sporting Kansas City have to go out and get themselves a striker, get themselves another player? I mean, you figure, when you think about the weapons they have, right? Benny Felhaber, Graham Zussi, Dom Dwyer, Brad Davis. Now you have Justin Matt back. Uh, you should be generating more goals. And, and it is a little worrisome that Peter Ruiz publicly questions the energy. Because, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. That is a bit of a red flag there. But I think it's not as much about the energy. I just think they're they're missing a piece there. I think they, they – they, hey, maybe they go get Kai Kamara back. Okay, probably not. But they, <laughs> they, they need something. They No question about it. They need something. Um, I, st- I don't know. I look at that team. I still think they're going to turn it around. But you know what? Having to go to Colorado, that's not where you want to have to go in the altitude of Colorado, playing a red-hot Rapids team, that's not where you want to go to snap your six-game winless streak. So they, 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 I don't know when they're going to turn that around. They're in a little bit of a trouble. They're in a little bit of trouble, uh, especially you look at their schedule going forward. Uh, the last game we're going to get, we're going to talk about in depth is the LA Galaxy, New England Revolution. LA Galaxy, is they're just rolling. They're just rolling. They're just blowing teams away. Giovanni DeSanto scoring wonder goals. Uh, Robbie Keane is back. And that's pretty scary. The fact that you know they were killing people without Robbie Keane. Now Robbie Keane is back. What do you? What, what is this? I mean, do you see anyone stopping this LA team? No, not right now. <laughs> I mean, three of the last four games they've scored four goals or more. That's crazy. Uh, the the chemistry. You know, it's funny because how long ago was it? Like a month ago that we were talking about? Does Dos Santos need to move on? Do the oh, LA hey. need to? Hey, hey, yeah, I, you, I, I, yeah, I, I, you were I'll in there. I'll stand up. I'll, hey, yeah. I'll, I'll say it. I, I'll raise my hands. I thought he was. I thought he was done. I just didn't think. Like he just didn't look like he. He, he didn't look like he was into it anymore. And you know he he got injured, and then he came back. And who knows? Maybe he had an epiphany during that injury that hey, you know this is it for me. I if I don't get my 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 stuff together, where do I go from here? And he's been unbelievable. So I'll be the first to say. I I was wrong. I was wrong about Gio DeSantos. He still has it. Steven Gerrard even looks like he still has something left in the tank. So it's great to see. You want to see that. You want to see great players doing well. And if those guys are going to play like that, not, no one no one is stopping them. No one. See, now I know what Gio DeSantos is listening to when he walks into the stub hub with the Beats by Dre on. Hey. He's got the SBI show I'd say, on. He heard what you were saying, <laughs> listen, man. Listen, my track record's pretty good this year. I said Lloyd Sam's getting old. What happens? He started. He just starts killing it. I say <laughs> I say Gio DeSantos needs to be sold to China. All of a sudden, he's Superman. So I, I, I got to I gotta see who, who's going to be my next subject to, to help turn around there. You know what? I think I'm going to start ripping off Frank Lampard. If he magically starts playing, I think some team will hire me to be on their medical staff because at that point yeah. I'm, work, I'm working miracles but uh but yeah no la is uh, they're looking they're in beast mode right now the real question I, now what i want to see is how they do on the long road trip against a, an a improved philly team they got to go all the way to philly for the midweek game wednesday night i'll be there we're, we'll talk about that in a bit but if they can take that long road trip to philly and still put up the four goals five goals then it's it's then it's a problem and and at that point you know the only thing that could beat them is father time because they are an old team and if Bruce Arena and Bruce Arena we've seen it through the years he knows how to manage teams he definitely has depth on this on this roster if he can manage those older bodies and and keep the miles off them so that they're healthy when you need them in in November December October November December they they're going to win another MLS Cup no doubt about it but that's the big trick because this is an even older team 
than Bucerina has had in the past. So it's not going to be easy. But right now, man, they're they're a joy to watch. If you're an LA fan, obviously, and, and if you're neutral, you're loving watching this LA team. As far as New England, that's a whole other story. I don't think anyone loves watching the what they look like now. They're a hot mess. I I, I don't even know where do you start with them. What, what what when you see what do you see when you see New England? A bunch of players that are not living up to their reputation. I mean, that's the best way to put it, right? I mean, they, they've got this rotation of forwards up top. All guys who have big names who should be producing game in, game out, and, and they can't really depend on any of them right now. I think defensively, clearly, they've got some major issues on the back line. And and basically, you know, we, we, we've touched on this. They're, they're missing Jermaine Jones in the midfield. So they have issues on all three lines. You know, they need – Agudelo comes in, gets a couple goals, hits the crossbar. I think you're starting to – you need that out of him every game. But you need more out of out of everyone for New England right now. And and I just think – I think you can point to an issue, like I said, at every single line on the field for them right now. Right. And and I feel like we – now, maybe it's – maybe I'm having a Groundhog Day, deja vu type moment right now. I don't know if it was the last show we did where I said, you know what, they're missing. It's Jermaine Jones. If I did, in fact, say that the last show, I'll try not to repeat that. But I will say what they're missing is a leader on the field. Jay Heaps, for me, very good coach, very strong leader. But you know how it is. Players eventually tune out a coach, especially, uh, you know, a kind of a, a strong, a strong-willed coach like Jay Heaps. They need some, they need a someone in that locker room to be the leader, to be the captain, to be the alpha male. Jermaine Jones was that guy. Once he left, there was a vacuum there. And now it's just a collection of young, youngish guys who all kind of are just having fun being pros. But there's no one in that locker I don't feel like there's anyone in that locker room that can stand in the middle of that locker room and say, listen, MFers, you got to get <laughs> – this is not a game. This is our livelihoods. You need to defend your home field. We need to go after people and stop playing it – stop treating games like they're like – they're, you know, little 5v5 scrimmages or whatever like play with some passion and this new england team is lacking that passion and i think it's because they don't have that leader and we could definitely harp on the fact that jermaine jones was that for them and they're definitely missing that but once they knew he was gone they needed to replace that they have not replaced that and i think it's pretty crazy that a jay heaps led team is lacking passion and you know what i i mean he does you do put some blame on him for that but i think at some point the players themselves have to look at themselves and say listen this isn't good enough well, somebody needs to step up someone in that locker room needs to step up and come and become a leader and you know what who knows maybe there just isn't a leader in that group maybe there just isn't an alpha male if you're in new england you need to go find that guy you need to go in the market, go to Europe, find somebody who has that fire that will go in that locker room, earn respect, and get all because they have the talent. They have the all these guys have talent. Kellen Rowe, Lee Wynn, uh, Diego Fagundes, Charlie Davies. I mean, these guys have talent, but they don't have someone to kind of be that heartbeat of that team. And if they don't get that, this is going to be an all time awful season for them. It's not getting any better. So I'll get off the soapbox now. <laughs> enough, enough about New England. Uh, we uh, the last few games, real quick. Orlando City Red Bulls drew one one. The less said about that game, the better. Uh, NYCFC an impressive two zero victory over DC United. Things are starting to turn around there. David Villa, man. I mean, talk about the epitome of what you want from a captain. And just like I was talking about New England and how they don't they don't have that heartbeat, that guy in the locker room who everyone can rally around and who can get in people's faces and tell them they need to do better. Villa is that guy. 
for NYCFC. And he is really, and he, it is just his goals that are helping them win. His presence in the locker room is making a difference there. And lastly, Vancouver Whitecaps with the win over Portland in Vancouver. The Japanese striker, what's his name, Paul? Kudo? Kudo. Kudos to Kudo because he had a big game. Uh, big win for them. They needed that win, no doubt about it. Uh, so, it, did any of those last three games? Uh, you got anything on those? You got anything on those? Or we're moving on. No, I mean, I agree with you. I just, you know, I'm gonna keep saying it. Like, if you go look at Davivia's strike rate, man, the guy, you know, we talk less about him than Didier Drogba, and his strike rate is darn near the same as that guy and as Kai Kamara and as you know Giovinco over the last year and a half. He's he's everything that you know you would expect him to be when he when he was signed. Um, I, I think people doubted him, but he's he's fantastic to watch. He cares every single minute of every game, and I love that. Yeah, no, it's it's been impressive to see the passion that he has. And you totally understand why this guy was such, such a success in Europe and why he's a World Cup winner, World, World Cup golden boot winner. You know, you get it because you see him, you see how he is with that team and you understand it. The guy is, the guy is special, no question about it. Uh, moving on, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty busy slate of midweek action. Uh, I'll, I'll actually be at the first game we're going to talk about, Philly, Los Angeles. I'll be taking the trip down on 95 uh, to Talon Energy Stadium, no longer PPL Park, Talon Energy Stadium. The Union are going to try to stop the L.A. Locomotive. Paul, do they have any chance? Yeah, I think they have a chance. I would say that L.A. is going to win the game. I don't think it's going to be a 4-1 blowout the you know, way a couple of these games have been for L.A. I think you know Philly's got a good team. Andre Blake has been really good this season. Uh, he's the type of goalkeeper that can keep you in games, and I think that'll be the case here. But I think right now this L.A. train is going to keep on rolling. We've seen that they're bringing their big guns. They brought them out for this game. Um, you know, guys are getting back healthy, and they're playing them. Uh, you're going to see Keane. You're going to see Gerard. I- I'm thinking you're going to see Dos Santos. So uh, there's no reason to believe that they're not going to keep rolling here. Right, no question. I, I, I mean, I see that too. I, I've been really high on Philly, and and it. I wouldn't say it. It, w- it wouldn't shock me if they pull the upset here, because they're at home, and we all know the grind of the long cross country trip definitely has an effect on teams. Um, but but the thing with me is, this this Philly this Philly team has a young defense, right? Talking Rosenberry, Yarrow's been getting games now, and as much as they've looked good, uh, they're they're dealing with a whole other animal now with the attacker the attackers they're about to face. So I think it's going to come down to Andre Blake. Like I said, I think if Blake stands on his head and has one of his Neo in the Matrix type games where he just saves everything, they absolutely have a chance. But it's going to take at least that because I just think the LA attackers are going to have are going to create tons of chances. And the guy we got to talk about, Jossie's artist. I mean, Robbie Keane came back. He scored two goals. He scored two tap-in goals. And the reason they were tap-ins was because Jossie's artist set him up on the platter both times. And I feel like the last month or so... Zardis has been stepping his game up. I feel like, it, it, you know what? I here's my here's my dime store theory. I have a feeling he took offense to all the jokes being made about his technical ability and about his touch and about how he's the Mister Magoo of the national team or not not Mister <laughs> not Mister Magoo Mister Bean of the national team uh, with the accidental assists and he started working on his game. And I mean, look look, you saw the assist against Sporting Kansas City. When he hit that perfect ball of DeSantos, now we see him set up a couple goals here. He is feeling it, and it's a perfect time for him because the Copa, Copa America is right around the corner. And he, he is, I mean, forget making the team. He is pushing for a starting spot on that roster. And if he starts playing like that, with him, DeSantos, Keen, 
Legit McGee. Uh, what? Come on, it's like too many. It's like it's crazy. So, uh, I, for me, it's been fun to watch him start to grow as a player because I think he, I think he's growing as a player. Yeah, I mean, and look, he's got to, he's got to, right? You got Christian Pulisic that's going to be in this camp trying to make this team. You know, he's got to, he's got to perform better than Graham Zusi, who's obviously playing for struggling sport in Kansas City, right? It, it's a competitive spot on the team right now. And, you know, I, I would think that's motivation, too, to want to be a part of the Copa team, uh, to want to be included. He still has that heavy first touch. I, I'm pretty sure I saw uh, one of those oh, yeah. touches oh, in yeah. this last game. Oh, right. But, no, yeah, no. of course. I mean, he, he's surrounded by a ton of talent, and he's very, very talented himself. Um, and, and, again, I think that the idea that um, he has put himself in a position to be a starter with the U.S. national team, and now everyone's talking about some guys who might end up playing in that, that right-wing spot, Darlington, Nagby, Pulisic, you know, Graham Zussi, who, who came into the starting lineup and did really well in the last World Cup qualifier. Um, you know, I think that that probably motivates him as well, knowing he's got to show out in order to, to keep his spot with the team. Right, right. No question. And look, listen, folks, I'm not saying he's turned into Dimitar Berbatov with the, <laughs> with the technical ability, but he's improving. And it's good to see. Uh, and, and he's not the only we'll, we'll get into it a little later, but he's not the only American who's starting to really find his form. It's great to see uh, ahead of ahead of, of Copa America. Um, we have a, what do we have? Five total midweek games. The next one we have to talk about FC Dallas and Portland. Once again, the Western conference finals rematch. This one doesn't have, it's missing a little bit of the luster on it because of the struggles of FC Dallas and, and Portland's coming off a loss, but let's face it. When these teams play, they're fun games. Always. They're always fun games. It's always back and forth. Uh, you know, the, the, these teams are not shy about going at each other. So I think as, as much as FC Dallas has struggled, as much as Portland has been inconsistent, when they meet, they have good games. What do you see in this one? Yeah, I mean, to me, there are probably two teams that have really, really important double game weeks this week, and Dallas is one of them. Three losses in a row. It's a really interesting back-to-back home slate for them. They've got Portland on Wednesday. They got Seattle on Saturday, and they need results in those games. and And that should lead to some fun soccer because you know Dallas is already an attacking team that can get wide open, right? So you know, knowing that they need results at home, uh, I would expect Portland to come out probably sit in and absorb pressure the way we've seen Caleb Porter adjust to doing with his teams on the road because they know that Dallas needs a result and they're going to be smart about it. But you know, I think. I think they'll get drawn out a little bit and try to get out and counter, and it should be fun. But I think these games for Dallas are very, very important to avoid uh, you know, some real trouble. If you get into a five, six-game swing of no wins, then that's when it really starts to be uh, something bigger and mental that you've got to overcome. Right, and you know, it's a... In Portland, Portland, I, I wouldn't say this... this it's, it's not as vital a game for Portland as it is for FC Dallas, but if you're Caleb Porter, you want to reinstill that road warrior mentality that they had last year, right? Because Portland was the toughest team on the road last year. This year, it's kind of that, that there's been, there's a bit of gloss taken off of that now. They're not, they haven't been as imposing on the road. Um, but I, I, I still feel like if you're Caleb Porter, you look at this game, you want to send a message by being that first team that can win in Dallas. And, and if they can do that, I mean, I, th- I think that'll be a big confidence boost for them. Uh, FC Dallas is undefeated at home. They're 3-0-2 at home. And if you're the Portland Timbers, you look at your road record right now, and they had the best record in the league last year on the road. This year, they have yet to win a game on the road. They're 0-3-2. And And I'm sure Caleb Porter is looking at that and saying, listen, guys, if we're going to be taken seriously as a team that can 
defend our title, we have to be able to go on the road. And I think that that's going to make for an excellent game, good back and forth game. And and let's not forget now, FC Dallas went up to Portland and put a bit of a beating on the Timbers. So if you're the Timbers, that's another, you want a little payback for that as well. So I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, I'm going to go see Dallas in the game, though, just because I think, they, I think they're think they happy to be back home. They had the Nightmare Road swing. I think they'll get the W in this one, but it's going to be a hell of a game. Let's hope for a, 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 like a nice five-goal game, 3-2, one way or the other. I think it's going to be great. Uh, another big game, Colorado Rapids, Sporting Kansas City. We just talked about both these teams. The Rapids are red hot. The Sporting KC's ice cold. Um, do you see either streak ending, or will we see both streaks continue? Uh, this is my MLS is crazy prediction, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Colorado's so hot. Sporting Kansas City is the worst. And they're going to go on the road and get a win in altitude. That's my prediction where MLS, you're like, oh, peak MLS right there. Yep. That, you know what? That, it's never it's never a bad thing to, to put, a little, put, put a little dime on, on those, kind of, those kind of picks. Because, as you say, it's always the thing you least expect that ends up happening in MLS. But I can't do it, man. Altitude is tough. Uh, the Rapids are playing with confidence. Jermaine Jones is is, is hitting his stride. Uh, I can't pick it. I can't pick against the Rapids. I'm sorry. Sorry, Peter Vermees. Sorry, Matt Beasler. I can't pick against the Rapids. Not yet. Uh, I think they win that one to keep it rolling to maintain their hold on the top of the MLS. They are two points clear of everybody. That's crazy to even say. The Colorado Rapids two points clear of everybody, at ten games in. Who, who totally was, crazy. Who, totally who, nuts. Who, who saw that? Uh, so last two games, we don't need to get into too much. Vancouver, Chicago Fire, uh, and San Jose, Houston. Either of those, uh, Is there anything about either of these games you'd like to touch on? Yeah, I just think for me, Chicago Fire, you know, this is going to be their first big road swing of the season. They've only played seven games. They've had, they're the team that's had the bizarre schedule to open the season. And, you know, I think they need to go, they need to get some points out of this trip. Uh, I don't, you know, it would not be a good, obviously not be a good result for them to go 0 for 3 in the next three away games. And it's going to be tough. You go out to Vancouver, all the way across the country to New England, then up to New York before coming home. So, um, it'll be interesting to see at some point they're going to reintegrate, uh, David, a into the lineup. I would imagine one of these, you know, somewhere along the road in these games. And then, um, Kali Tiam, their new signing as well, not, not part of the Vancouver trip cause he couldn't get a Canadian visa, but he'll be integrated as well. So maybe we start to see a little bit more of, uh, of what, uh, Chicago can do when you get those two guys on the field. But I think it's big, it's a big trip for them. No question about it, and, and Vancouver's not uh, – they're a tough team. Vancouver at home, uh, definitely a much tougher team, and, and I'm interested to see the matchup in the midfield there uh, when you talk about Morales and, and uh, Matias Laba going, going up against the fire midfield. That, that's uh, I think that's really – if the fire are going to have a chance, they're going to have to at least play even in that matchup, and that's not going to be easy. So uh, I don't know about a win there. I think they could definitely win uh, at New England, uh, but I think they're going to have a tough time in Vancouver – uh san jose houston the dom kinnear derby uh i think houston goes back i think san jose i mean they're tough at home they haven't lost yet at home i think they'll handle i think they'll handle houston i think wanderlowski will, will, will put a couple goals in uh to recover off the missed penalty from this past weekend i think they'll be all right uh but yeah that that's that's the midweek slate we've talked about what seems like 50 mls games uh we're gonna turn our attentions to another crazy story mls ish mls related and that's Carl. Carl, we met, who was att- who was assaulted. I don't know what other word to use. Was assaulted by Pittsburgh Riverhound striker Romeo Parks, 
who decided to go full Mortal Kombat mode and 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 kick Carl Rematt in the back with a flying kick. Uh, insane, insane incident. Parks was suspended. He was cut. He's unemployed now. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, what, what did you think when you saw this? Did you did you think this was like it almost looked fake? It looked it was a spoof. What did you think when you saw this? Yeah, usually when you see this kind of stuff, right, you see it in grainy <laughs> video of some amateur Sunday league game in Argentina, not in the USL. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, man, what's going on? It's the craziest thing I've seen in soccer that's happened professionally in inside these borders. And I thought it was cowardly. And I thought that the punishment fits the crime here, that he gets cut. Um, and that, that was their leading goal scorer, by the way. Romeo Parks had five goals in, I think, six games for Pittsburgh. He had scored in five uh, straight. He scored in five straight games. Yeah, Count they made the right call. They made the right call. Yeah, I mean, I, I no, I look. You can't defend the guy, obviously. No, no one, no one would. Uh, I just, for, it's just crazy to me because here's a guy who was on, like, he was on a roll. I mean, he was, he had scored in five straight games. He had made Jamaica's preliminary Copa America roster. So we're talking about a guy whose career was coming around, and to lose your mind like that is unbelievable. Now, I probably am a little more sympathetic than most because I, I mean, I've seen people say. You know, throw him in jail. He should never play again in life. And, like, I think that's a little extreme. Like, he made a mistake. It, it, it was absurd. An absurd mistake. A uh, borderline criminal mistake. I don't know about ne- not letting the guy ever play again. Taking a year off, absolutely. He should be banned for a year at least. Um, but, I mean, Carl, the thing that was for me was crazy is imagine Carl we met. Now, Carl we met. Talk about a guy who had a rough, rough week. Now, he, from my understanding... Uh, and from what I've been told and I've reported, he was uh, the Red Bulls nearly waived him before last week when when they were going to get Aurelian Collins. They were they were very close to cutting Carl Remet, and they and they ended up keeping him. They ended up cu- uh, cu- waving one of their one of their other rookies, one of their rookies, uh, Zach Carroll, who's a very good rookie by the way. I, I, I'd like to see him. Ca- hopefully, he can latch on and continue his career. But anyway, Carl Remet go- nearly gets cut. They send him off to this USL game to get some minutes. And your call where you're like, okay, I'll get some minutes. See if I can impress the coach and, 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 you know, get back in the good graces of the Red Bulls a bit and hope they don't cut me. And then you get a red card, right? So that you're, you're already like hating life. You just got a red card in this game where you're trying to impress to save your job. And then you get kicked in the back and stretchered off and, and you have to go to the hospital. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. And, Thank, thank God that you know Carl we met is he, he's fine. There's no broken bones. No, you know he 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 tweeted today that you know he everything's okay. He's fine. Uh, and I tell you what, he's very lucky, and Romeo Parks is very lucky because what? Listen, if Carl we met would have had a broken back or something. I mean, you know what? Parks could have been arrested. I mean, who knows? It, 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 I, I wonder still if that's still up in the air. I, 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 I don't know if that's good. I, I, don't, it, it, I do wonder, though. I, I've heard people talk about this, and I, I almost forgot about this incident, but the Ricardo Clark incident, how do you measure the two up? Uh, I mean, <laughs> man, that's funny. I remember that one. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It, I, 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 <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I, for me, I think Parks was he, – he, like, the guy wasn't, like – Kicking a guy in the back like that, a flying kick, like as much as Clark, like, like, look, what Clark hit, what Ricardo Clark did was bad, no question about it, but kicking Carlos Ruiz in the arm is is not the same as kicking a, a flying kick uh, 
to a guy's back. Like you could paralyze a guy like that. So, I agree. I, I'm on your side with that. Yeah, I'm I, on your side with that. I just that was the one thing I totally forgotten about the incident. But that goes to show right. that you can forget about these. Not forget, but forgive and move on, and allow a career to move on right, eventually. Right. And it was also um, Carlos Ruiz. Let's face it, not a lot of people like Carlos Ruiz. So <laughs> it, it wasn't. I mean, I think I think people took up a collection to pay for the fine that that Ricardo Clark got in that, in, for that whole incident. But uh, but yeah, no. I mean, you know what? I, I don't know. I mean, see, for me. I, I feel like it, it, in today's in today's kind of mob mentality, people are always like people go to extremes for punishment. And like, look, what he did was awful. What he did was absurd and unreal. But the whole idea, like the guy should never play again. Like that's, I mean, I don't know. That's a little extreme. It's a little extreme. He's not gonna play again this year. But you want to know what's crazy? What's crazy? He could still play for Jamaica. In theory. Now, let's not forget the Jermaine Jones thing because. As much as the USL suspended or whatever, once they terminate his contract, he's not under contract right now. So there is no active suspension. We learned this from the Jermaine Jones situation um, mm-hmm. when, when he underwent that. Now, Jamaica, if you're Jamaica, you should have Jamaica should have come out and said, no, we are definitely not picking him. Now, they probably aren't going to pick him. I mean, let's face it. They're not going to pick him. But what if they did? I mean, that'd be, that'd be crazy. I mean, I, I, it's not going to happen. But. What what would stop? What them? would be crazier is if Canada was in the Copa America. I know, I know. Then, rematch, uh, rematch. No. All right, you know. too far, too far. Wait, World Cup qualifying though? Don't they play in World Cup qualifying? No, no, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so it's uh, great to see that we met uh, is okay, and hopefully he can, you know, get his career back on track. And you know what? Hopefully Romeo Parks learns from this, and you know what? And you know what? Hopefully he gets his chance at redemption a year from now. Uh, maybe I'm a forgiving guy, and I don't want to see a guy guy's entire life ruined for for a bad mistake. He definitely deserves what he got, but you know what? We all like a redemption story, and hopefully, you know, a year from now he comes he comes out and 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 real and you know it could be a teaching moment for people that you know hopefully you know he'll learn from that. I don't know. I, I maybe I'm too nice a guy. I I don't want to like I don't want I don't want a firing squad for the guy like some people, but but. I can understand why people felt that way because it, it was an absolute, like you said, good word, cowardly. It was a cowardly act. But I just think he lost his mind. I don't know what we met said. It doesn't matter what we met said. But I, what 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 would even get you to like think that that's something you do? Like we like we're, you know what I mean? Like come on. Man. There's no there's no just there's no you can't justify it, man. No, you can't yeah, just. It was, I I don't care how angry you're at you get in a game. I mean to kick somebody like that. I mean, just think about like the blind right. rage that has to it's, happen when you totally yeah, lose it. Like, the, and you know what's funny? Here's the thing. It's not funny, but they both got red carded right before that, right? So now, if I now if now if I got now if I'm Romeo Parks, right, and Carl we met and I have just gotten into it and whatever, and then he's talking trash to me and and and, and I and and gets me upset. I we're both leaving the game. We're both going back to the locker room. I'm going back to the locker room and handling my business there. I'm not gonna just. Win. I'm not gonna kick them in the back. Like we've seen that, like in the NBA, when in the NBA when guys fight, and all of a sudden you see them running to the locker room, and security has to chase them down so they don't they don't kill each other. But to kick a guy in the back was just it was just crazy. It was crazy, and hopefully we never see that again. And that's and that that's another reason you need to you know you need to do the year long suspension. You need to cut the guy. You need to make the guy lose his job so people understand you can't ever do this again. So hopefully we never see that again. Uh, moving on now to, to a player that uh, that maybe some NYCFC's fans would like to kick, Frank Lampard. Smooth, <laughs> smooth transition. Frank, That's the transition right there. <laughs> Frank Lampard 
Still hasn't played a game yet. Still hasn't played a minute yet. But reportedly is going to do some coverage with the BBC during the European Championships. People were definitely not happy when they saw this news. It was pretty, it, it was pretty crazy to, to see how it came out. Now, we come to find later on that whatever he does isn't going to be that much. It's going to be done remotely. Maybe he'll do some Skype hits or some TV hits from New York. So it's not even that big a deal. But it's, not, it's still not a good look. For a guy who has not played, who's missed 10 games, hasn't played a minute, and has probably made, I don't know, $2 million for not even playing a minute. What, what did you think when you saw this? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think I think this is something that did get overblown, obviously, because no details came out with it at the time. But it's, it's they got overblown because it's a terrible look. The guy's, he's the biggest joke in MLS right now. His contract is the biggest joke in MLS in the in the recent history. It makes the commissioner's pick at the All-Star game last year look even worse. <laughs> and I just think, like, I get it. I get the frustration. And you know what, NYCFC fans, if, if, it, if it makes you angry, go for it. Be angry because you have every right to be. Um, it, it was a I, look. I, I don't know. I don't know what the right move is for this. I, I, if I was NYCFC, I would be in talks with the guy to to get out of this deal in the summer and go spend that money elsewhere, somebody that can help you, somebody younger that's still got some legs left. Um, but, yeah, it was a bad look. It's just a bad look. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And you know what? If you're Frank Lampard, you better be thanking David Villa for the fact that NYC is actually playing well now. They're, 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 you know, they've started to win some games. There's a positive vibe around that team. Because if they hadn't won these last couple games, if they were in the basement in the Eastern Conference, people would be calling for Frank Lampard's head right now. But, I mean, people aren't happy with him anyway. But there'd be a lot even more unhappiness about just him being out all these games. And it's interesting that, you know, there's obviously conversation in MLS circles about is he the worst DP of all time? And, and he's definitely in the conversation. Now, I, I said, I'm pretty sure I said it in my in my Facebook Q&A last week um, that for me, I actually still think Rafa Marquez is worse. And the reason I say Rafa Marquez is still worse is because... Frank Lampard isn't playing, and he's making millions and millions of dollars. Rafa Marquez made his team worse. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> Rafa Marquez was actually on the field getting red cards, uh, committing awful turnovers and, and defensive blunders. He was costing his team games. At least when Lampard steals a paycheck, someone else is allowed to play in his place. You get your Tommy McNamara, Kyrie Shelton, uh, Federico Bravo, you know, any of these other guys at least can get in there and do something. So from that standpoint, I still think Robert Marquez, worst DP of, all, of of history of MLS. You can feel free to disagree with me, but I'm going to stand by that logic because I watched enough of Rafa Marquez's games to know he was a, a serious negative when he was on the field at $5 million a year. Yeah, I still think you need to get rid of him. You know what would be hilarious, though, is if they get rid of Lampard's contract in the summer and bring John Terry in. No. Oh, that, how crazy would NYCSC right. fans go though? How yeah, nuts would that, it be? I know. Well, I tell you what. I don't. I, I think I've said it. I don't know if I said it here on my Facebook Q and A. No one, no one in MLS is touching John Terry with a ten foot pole because MLS just doesn't do multi million dollar center backs. It's just not done, and and no team is gonna is gonna bite on that. No team. Like if he's gonna go to China, here's a guy perfect for China because he's a name. He's English. He's a superstar. 
And he'll go where the money is. So I think he's going to go to China for like a huge, huge deal. He isn't one of those guys that's going to say, you know what? I want to go chill in America and, and play over there and live over there and take a pay cut and, and play for uh, a tenth of what I ma- was making at Chelsea. That's never happening. So I wouldn't worry about John Terry coming here. But if he did, yeah. If NYC signed him, forget about it. It'd be a mutiny. If you're NYCFC, obviously, uh, you know, you do need defensive help, but it's not going to be a DP uh, but I wouldn't mind that Iker Casillas uh, rumor because he still got it, even though he shot, even though Casillas came out, shot it down, says he still wants to stay at Porto. But no offense to Josh Saunders, he's been pretty inconsistent. Iker Casillas can still play, so who knows? That that that'd be a that'd be an interesting one because uh, uh, if Casillas was willing to not take a DP deal, now Casillas is a guy who I could totally see saying, "Hey, I want to go, I want to go live in New York, hang with my man da- uh, David Villa." Uh, and, and I, you don't have to pay me DP money. So maybe that'll happen. So, uh, moving on now, uh, we have to talk, we've already been talking for an hour, but we, we're just now getting into the U S men's national team. The 40 man roster was named what feels like a year ago, but we haven't had a show since it was, it was, it was released. So we're going to, you know, circle back on it. Uh, what stood out to you about that 40 man roster? There weren't a lot of surprises, but what did you? What stood out the most to you about this roster? Um, yeah, I agree. I, I I think maybe that's what stood out to me the most is for all the criticism about Klinsman's roster selections and where guys are going to play. There wasn't a lot of controversy in this one. Guys were listed at positions where you'd expect them to be listed. A lot of names that people wanted to be included. If anything, I think the big question still remains at left back. Uh, the two guys that we probably would have wanted included at least in the 40 weren't, weren't there in Viafania and Breck Shea. Um, so clearly he feels comfortable with, with Edgar Castillo at left back. Um, you know, maybe he ends up looking at Tim Ream pretty hard at that spot too. I don't know. But, you know, that, that to me is still the big question mark. But otherwise, I mean, I, I really felt like it was a lot of what you would have expected of this 40-man roster. Right, right. I mean, there weren't a lot of surprises. I, I agree. As far as the left back position, if there was a surprise, and I wouldn't say it was a huge surprise, but uh, I mean, Jorge Villafania. I mean, come on. I, I, I and I know I've been I've been kind of leading the bandwagon on, on this for for a couple of months now, um, but I mean, to follow up his excellent run in MLS with an excellent run in Liga MX and still not get a call, I'm so, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked. I'm not, I'm not, okay, shock's not the word, because we know Klinsman likes Edgar Castillo, right? We know that. But I just don't know how you take Edgar Castillo in one hand, you take Jorge Villafania in the other hand, you look at their bodies of work over the past year, and you take Castillo. I just don't know how you do it. I don't know. Like, Villafania is a better defender. It's not even close. Like, Edgar Castillo is not a good defender. He'll tell you himself he's not a good defender. Jorge Villafania has evolved so much as a defender that he's been able to keep his job where he has stiff competition for his job. Uh, from a Mexican national team player, at his position, he's held the job, but he still doesn't get the call. That was, for me, the only one that was like, oh, come on, man. Really? Um, but, hey, Eric Lehigh got a call. I got to say I was a little surprised by that because, you know what, uh, the, that I I left the Lehigh bandwagon to, to lead the Villafania bandwagon. But Lehigh, the guy has been doing it consistently, uh, you know, over in England, Nottingham Forest, starting for I don't know how many years in a row. It's good to see him get a look. As far as left back goes, it looks like it's going to be Edgar Castillo and and Timmy Chandler. I think it's going to be those two guys. I know U.S. fans are going to hate hearing Timmy Chandler's name, 
But Chandler has started to get playing time at Eintracht Frankfurt, and they're in the middle of a relegation fight in Germany. They just got a big win against Borussia Dortmund, and it was kind of cool to see Chandler uh, going at it with Christian Pulisic, even though Chandler was kind of deployed as, as a as a right winger, even though it was kind of a quasi-stacked fullback. But it was great to see him and Pulisic have a couple of battles there. But listen, folks, deal with it. Timmy Chandler could absolutely not only make this team, uh, this U.S. Copa America team, he could be your starting left back. And maybe we'll finally see Chandler translate his Bundesliga success to the national team. We haven't really seen it. We haven't seen it since, like, Bob Bradley was a coach, right? It's been a long, like, those couple of caps he got under Bradley. We have not seen it really since then. So, but maybe now, maybe he's finally ready to play like we've expected him to play. Because I tell you what, I don't think Edgar Castillo is the answer by any means. So, I got to ask you one question before I, I got, I'll let you get on this soapbox. Look at the list of forwards, Paul, and you tell me, who, who are you leaving home off of that list? Yeah, right. That it's a it's a I mean, look, this is a good dilemma to have. Right. I mean, you've got a lot of really strong names and and the guys that are going to get left off of this list. It's a tough call. But, you know, despite his run of form, I think Wando gets left off the list. And I think Ethan Finley stays home, too. I mean, how many how many forwards can you bring? They've got eight listed on the 40. I'm talking about bringing six. If you're playing a four, three, three, I think that's relatively safe. Um, especially because you've got guys who are lifted at, listed as midfielders who can play in that winger role like Fabian Johnson. Um, you just, so I think that, and Darlington Nagby for that, re, for, the, for that matter, Graham Zussi, all guys who can play both in, the, in the, the back half of a 4-3-3 and up in a winger role. So for me, those are the two guys that I look at right now as, as you know, kind of being tip of the cap calls because I think you've got to include Clint Dempsey, Jordan Morris, Christian Pulisic, all of them have to be in the team. Bobby Wood has been kind of the striker that's in form scoring goals. Chiasi Zardes, like you said, is playing very well right now. And then Josie Altidore, you can't leave him off. I'm sorry, he does too much work. Right, I agree. You cannot leave him off. So that, that's it. That's all you got left. I, get, I, I totally agree with you. And, and here's my thing, right? I get, I get that last year Klinsman sent Altidore home, right? I get that. But that was a whole different situation. He was not in shape. He had come off the injury. He was not fit. You were playing games in brutal heat during that Gold Cup. He could not afford to have Josie Altidore on that team. That was the extenuating circumstance that would lead for him to leave off Josie Altidore. I just do not see any way. I don't see how anyone could honestly think that he would leave Josie Altidore off of this 23-man roster. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I just think that's crazy because... If you're if you if you think he's getting left off, I don't think you're watching him play. I think you're just looking at his goal total and say, "Oh, he has zero goals. He can't possibly make this team." Listen, folks, the guy is putting in a ton of work. He will make this team. He he because you don't have anyone else like him. Look at that list of forwards. Who is your target forward when you need one? Tell me. I mean, there there, there is none. And you could say, "Oh, you don't necessarily need a target forward." Listen, folks, in a tournament like this. You need a strong forward. And Come on. I, if you didn't learn that in the World Cup in 2014, then get out. Absolutely. If, you, if absolutely. you didn't learn that when he went out and the U.S. couldn't do anything like they wanted to do when he was in the lineup and they tried to put Clint Dempsey in, the, in, in that center forward role, you weren't paying attention. You were blind. You were busy you know, complaining about Michael Bradley. And, <laughs> and you missed out on what Josie Altador does in this pool that there are zero – forwards zero who can do it right no i agree and i tell you what listen if he's healthy 
in this in this Copa America, he will score goals. And I I, I, re, I have confidence there because I look at the way some of these forwards are playing. Now, you, you if you get, you have a, if you have a healthy Fabian healthy Fabian Johnson, you have Jossie Zard is playing with confidence. You have Alejandro Bedoya is, play, is, is playing well now as well. Uh, you're going to have attacking pieces around him. And he we've seen it before. When he has players around him who are actually moving the ball, and who knows what Christian Pulisic can mean for him as well. I I, I don't know. I think I think Altidore is going to surprise people and have himself a big tournament. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. There, you know what? One thing we know for sure, there's going to be some people left off of this roster that are going to shock some people. Because they're, 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 you know what? There's a lot of players playing really well right now. We know at center back, there's going to be at least one yeah. casualty that is going to make people go, oh, really? He's getting left off. And I think Omar Gonzalez could absolutely be that guy. I think Steve Birnbaum could be the, be the somewhat surprising inclusion because I think he's done well every chance he's gotten. And he's shown that he can. Be, he's poised, a poised guy. So I think we're gonna see a we're gonna see a few a few shockers, a few players surprisingly left off. But I don't see Josie Altador being that guy. So we'll see. We'll see. Clemson's got some tough decisions to make. We look. There's at some the- tough calls at midfield too, man. I mean, how many midfielders are you gonna bring if you bring six of those forwards of those eight we just? Yeah, mentioned? I mean, you know, you got who bring, gets cut there? I don't you know? know. You got to bring Bradley. You got to bring Discarud. You got to bring. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So, so uh, yeah, no, we'll see. And uh, Jermaine, you know what? If one thing, maybe, hopefully, Jermaine Jones's play for Colorado has silenced the "it's time to retire him." conversation because yes i get it jermaine jones is old but he's still very good he's still very good so you, you and he brings something that no one else brings just in terms of his attitude he's still that guy and as jermaine jones will tell you he'll give up the job when somebody comes and takes it no one's taking it yet no one's ready to do that Dan, danny williams isn't ready to take it perry kitchens isn't ready to take it uh so we'll see man that like instead so it, it, people need to stop with the ageism and just deal with the fact Jermaine Jones is still right now good enough to not only be on the roster but to start for this team. So we'll see what he does. Uh, the the camp the, the first camp for the U.S. begins uh, in a week uh, down in Miami. They have the friendly against Puerto Rico. It's going to be interesting because not everyone's going to be available for that camp because you're going to have none of the MLS guys are available. Uh, three out of the four Liga Emekis guys are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, so Clemson's going to actually have to call in some guys who didn't make the preliminary roster. And that is going to be a little awkward, I got to tell you. But we'll see what happens there. It should be fun. Uh, and I, I don't know what you're doing for the for, 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 for Copa America, Paul, but this is, this is going to be a crazy summer, man. I can't wait. I will be hopefully around and hanging out with you for, for yes. parts of it. But, yes, sir. Uh, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. I just booked – I just booked uh, – I'm, I'm going KC – San Jose, Chicago, back home, out to Seattle. Because, yes, just in case the U.S. wins their group, I'll be there. I know no one thinks that can happen, but, hey, crazier things have happened. We what are you going to do if they finish second? Are you just going to cancel that flight No, I'm stay just gonna, in New York? No, I'll go out there. I'll go out there. Well, either way, I'm going out there to do – To I'll be at the Argentina group match, and then I'll be at uh, whoever wins the U.S.'s group. And then that next morning, fly back home in time for the U.S quarterfinal assuming they make the quarterfinals as the second place team so either way i'll be good i'll be covered i'll be i'll, I'll be there wherever the u.s is as long as they're still alive and if the u.s doesn't get out of the out of the group stage then i guess i'll just come home and uh you know i'll probably still go to the game because i'll make sure franco's at the airport ready to pick you up no matter what don't worry <laughs> yeah no we'll work it out we'll work it out i'm just messing with you franco <laughs> i can see i can see as i say all the time i can see my stadium 
from my house, so I really can't. I really can't like beg out of going to games there. So I'll be there even if the U.S. Uh, isn't in that game. So we'll see, man. It's gonna be a great summer. Great summer. So much going on. Um, and speaking of Copa America, another nice transition. Uh, Brazil has already put out their 23-man roster. They don't mess around. A lot of names missing. We all we already knew about Neymar not making it, but. Uh, a lot of other big names not there. Uh, David Luiz, Marcelo, Thiago Silva, Oscar, and your boy, Ricky Kaká, not making it. I don't know why some people are shocked by this. I'm personally not surprised. A, a little bit, a little bit. But uh, what did you think when you saw that? Uh, I was surprised because they had been so... Look, I think part of the reason of bringing him into the squad was uh, to increase visibility in the U.S. I think part of the reason was to give a veteran presence to some of the younger players coming up now in the Brazilian team. And I think the fact that they were using him in marketing for the Copa and the fact that Orlando pushed so hard to get Brazil to their city, um, all of those things made me feel like the the politics that work behind the scenes in Brazil – um, some of which have come to light in the FIFA investigations, may have had you know some marketing implications involved. But outside of that, I mean, clearly, look, the guy hasn't has struggled to stay healthy this season. I think that alone lets him, you know, he said, I totally understand and I'm good with being left out. Um, he's getting up there in age and, and it's time to start bringing some younger players in. And I think, you know, I think part of when you look at this roster, too, it's clear that, you know, Brazil is really putting an emphasis on winning the Olympics at home. And I think that right now is is the priority for the for the Brazilian national program. Right. And and you know what? I, I think if you're doing guy and you watch and you and you notice that, hey, Kaká has been struggling, struggling to stay healthy. Uh, can you really spend a uh, spend a roster spot on him? Uh, so I think that's where it became tough. But listen, don't go crying for Brazil. I mean, look at their midfield. We're talking Willian. Uh, uh, Philip Coutinho, Douglas Costa, Rafinha. I mean, <laughs> Luis Gustavo, uh, Casemiro, who's, who's who's blown up at Real Madrid. I mean, they're stacked. Their midfield is going to be okay. You know, I think I don't think they got to yeah. worry about it. They're still going to be a force, even without all these guys uh, that aren't there. So I, I still think they're going to be a handful. They're going to be a handful. Uh, I never cry for Brazil when somebody has to get left off, left off the roster because it's like, all right, let me go take a look over here and see which star player at whatever pick of a European team I want to pull in and like, hey, congratulations, you're getting like your third cap. <laughs> right. be, you know, it'd be like the star of the U.S. team. Right, exactly. I mean, just like, I mean, even like with Willian, I mean, how long did it take Willian to get, get, some, get some love and, uh, you know, and then now he's doing well and he's a part. We all see Coutinho doing his thing at Liverpool. So they're going to be a fun team to watch. They're in a the cushy group. Because, you know, it's a weak group. And now my boys, Peru, are not bringing a lot of their stars. It's a really sad thing. I'm not even going to get into it. But Brazil will be okay. Uh, and, and the thing that I forget, not forget, how many Brazilians live in the Orlando area, right? So they're going to come out. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, wait, Kaká's not there. Okay, I'm not going. Like, no. The, the, whatever the stadium's called now. What's the stadium's name now? It's not the Citrus Bowl anymore. It's got oh, I don't know. Funky... Camp, camping yeah, something stadium. Camping, camping life stadium. I'm calling it the Citrus Bowl. The Citrus Bowl will still be full of yellow for those games that they the, – because they have more than one, right? They have more than one Brazil game or just the one Brazil game? No, just one Brazil game and then oh, they no, got right. – so that's all. They're just one. I, at least – maybe yeah, they only got – they right, ended right. up only getting group games. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and it'll be a sell. It'll be a sell. Let's face it. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's nice to have those kind of problems when you can say – it's okay, Kaká, Oscar, David Luiz, Neymar, Marcelo, Tiago Silva. We don't need you. 
we can still bring this all-star team. So uh, it's a nice problem. Nice, you know, nice problem to have. What, what can you do? But uh, but yeah, I think we've co- I think we've covered a, a lot of the topics here. Uh, I know how much you didn't uh, you did or didn't want to talk about Abby Wambach uh, and her apparent Thunderdome driving in Portland. Uh, <laughs> for those who missed it, reports came out that she flipped an SUV back in 2014. And just walked away from it and walked home. And and apparently she walked home because she couldn't find her phone. Uh, I got to make sure to use that when I flip my car and decide to walk home. Uh, a little, little, you know what? For me, the best thing about this story is the fact that no U.S. men's national team players tweeted about it when it came out. I was waiting. I was waiting. But maybe they finally got the memo. Uh, Bedoya, Altador, none of these guys. They all kept quiet. Nice to see. Way to play nice, fellas, because that was ugly. We didn't need to see that again. Social media lessons have been learned. I believe that is the case because, you know, that, that's how you learn, man. You know, so the social media is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fickle, it's a fickle mistress. mistress but, hey, uh, man, soccer, soccer's made it, you know. The national team tweets, they go, they blow up, they make hey, national TMZ, news. TMZ, TMZ is covering soccer. You know we've made it. I mean, let's face it. I mean. You got Abby Wambach flipping cars. You got Romeo Parks doing, you know, ninja kicks, some people. Uh, and it's all over mainstream mainstream media. So, you know what? It's made it. So, it gives us stuff to write about. What can you do? Uh, last but not least, international. We got to talk a little bit of international soccer because the show's long enough as it is. Uh, Leicester City has won the Premier League. Crazy. I mean, it's fantasy land. It's fantasy land. Great to see. Everybody's everybody's second favorite team now. Uh, what, what did you think of this whole thing? Could you believe it when you watched them lift that trophy? No, I mean it's 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 maybe the best sports story team story of all time. I don't think that you can look at it and think anything different. I mean, this is a team that is made up of guys who had been cast aside and had been told they weren't good enough, and uh, came together and had the perfect the perfect season you can't say anything more than that it's it's unbelievable it's the story i'll you know i feel like it's the story i'll tell my kids about one day and say yeah i remember when it happened because um it's just total total insanity and it won't happen again so that that, that's uh that's the crazy part i i I can't wait for the movie to come out because it is a movie they need to make a movie i want to see how the when when the movie does come out i want to see how the movie handles the racist sex tape scandal that led to the whole thing because for those who don't remember, uh, there Leicester City's manager w- ended up being dismissed because his his son was involved. A couple of players were involved in a sex tape where they were saying racist stuff on a trip in Asia, and it, it led to a whole shakeup. Next thing you know, they hired they hired Claudio Ranieri, and the rest is history. Magic happens. What can you do? Unbelievable story. Great to see, and great to see the celebrations too. I mean, some of the best celebrations that I can ever remember seeing. Uh, and they were not on a field. They were in a, in someone's house. They were in Jamie Vardy's house. We'll never forget those scenes. Uh, last but not least, left it for last, UEFA Champions League final has been set. I left to go to Madrid, Real Madrid, playing in the final. Uh, another Madrid derby. Uh, Pep Guardiola denied again. No Champions League title for him at Bayern. He goes to Man City without that elusive title two questions for you paul do you think pep was a failure at bayern and who do you got in the final uh i don't think pep was a failure at bayern i think that the idea that he you know needed to get 
to the Champions League final or win a Champions League to validate what he did there is, um, I don't know, short-sighted, I guess is the, the way I'll put it. Um, I I do... I, look, I, I'm I, I am I'm going to enjoy this final. I hope it's a better final than it was a couple years ago. A closer a closer game, at least, uh, in the sense of I mean, I guess it was an extra time game, but I want it to be like I want it to be like more open, right? Like to go to have like a true back and forth, like crazy battle. I don't know why. I just feel like the way Atletico plays, like their crazy kind of defensive counterattacking methods and what Griezmann's done I, I want it to be like a fireworks like like three two four three instead of you know four one with everything coming late in the game uh, but I'm I'm pretty pumped uh for it and and I think it's uh I think I think it was deserved man I think Atletico deserved to go to go through no I agree man I, I picked them uh once the semifinals were set I picked Atletico to win it I don't remember see I'm starting I'm starting to mix my it mixes up our shows and then and then my Facebook Q and A's. I can never keep in keep track of what I say where, but I definitely picked Atletico to win it all. And I, they're a great team to watch, man. And anyone who who complains about them or says they park the bus or says they're ugly, I'm sorry, folks. They play great soccer. It's not it's not traditional like you know wide open you know fancy soccer tiki taka whatever. It's great to watch. It's passionate. It's intense. It's well organized. It has its beauty. Maybe not everyone loves it, but I think it's great. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to beat Real Madrid. Simeone's going to get that Champions League, and they're going to deserve it, man. They've played amazingly this year. Uh, credit to Real Madrid, too, now. I mean, when Zidane took over, when Zinedine Zidane took over, no one was talking about Real Madrid getting to a Champions League final. No one. So, I mean, now they're in a Champions League final, and if Barcelona slips up on the last weekend, Real Madrid can mess around and win the, win La Liga and win the Champions League. Great work by my man Zidane. I love Zidane, and I think he's done a great job as coach. But having said that, I'm picking Atletico. Fernando Torres, El Nino, with the game winner. 1-0 Atletico. Simeone lifts the title, and it's going to be a, a, a game for the ages. See, I know I know it's easy. I mean, you're right. Like, it makes sense that it'll be one nothing because of the way Atletico plays and the way that they base their game. But I think what's going to happen is Real Madrid is going to get an early goal and it's going to open things up a little bit more for Atletico. They're going to have they're going to have to come out of that shell a little bit more, uh, kind of open things up a little bit more. I think Griezmann's going to get one and I think Torres is going to get one. And it's going to be two one or two two late in the game, and that's that. That's what I'm hoping for. That's where I get to my three two. Is that that maybe Real Madrid gets another late equalizer like they did a couple years ago, and and it goes to extra time, and that's the decider. But uh, I, I I I like the way Atletico plays. I really, I mean, Griezmann is is my guy that I've enjoyed watching in the Champions League, and Coke. Uh, you can't forget Coke. Yeah, yeah, of course. And and look. The passion, I know it, it's like kind of weird in a Champions League final to have two teams, you know, in a derby from the same city. It's kind of like counter to what you think about the Champions League. But it adds just a whole other dimension to this game. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm down to see it, even though it's a rematch and even though it's another derby. I'm, I'm excited for it. And these teams do not like each other because there is such a contrast in styles and personalities. Every time they play, it, 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 there is always drama, even in the league. And Atletico, man, they've gotten under Madrid's skin in recent years. They they do they they know how to play Real Madrid. 
Uh, and that's another reason why I think they're going to win this one. I think I think it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a great game. Looking forward to it. I think I'll be in San Francisco hanging out uh, watching that. I got to find somewhere to watch it. So if anyone has has any suggestions for where to watch it in the San Jose slash San Francisco area, uh, I'll be there for that. But it's still a few weeks away. Um, but that's it. I think we've covered everything. I know Paul, you're fading. It's uh, this is late night for Paul. This is obviously everyone knows I'm a night owl. Uh, but Paul, Paul Paul's a, a, slowly adapting to the. To the FBI hours, and uh, I know his wife will hate him eventually because he starts staying up late. But you know what? We stayed up late. We got it done. I think it was a pretty good show. I think we covered covered a lot of stuff on the show. Yeah. Hey, look, it makes it easier. I'm on Central Time now, so it's an hour earlier for me. There were a couple of these shows where you had me up till two thirty <laughs> in the morning, and I was I was real uh, slow moving the next day. So I'm, well, I'm all right. I'll be all right. Well, I've kept yeah. you up later than that. Not not for shows, but you know, <laughs> we, we, we won't get into that. But yeah, no, I mean, we we covered everything. The only thing we didn't cover is Game of Thrones. I don't know if we, are we allowed. I don't think we're allowed to spoil anything yet uh, because I I do respect spoilers. I'm not. I, I I try not to spoil. All I'll say is I love the game. I love Game of Thrones. I, the early episodes have been amazing, I, I, and I love it even more. Man, I, I love the show. I know not everybody loves the show. I know my boy Will Trapp loves the show. It's his favorite show. He can't stop talking about it. Uh, and you're still not on. You're still not on. I'm it. still not on it, but you know what? I'm get, like, get I, I got I feel like I got to catch up now and get on it. Get my on wife it, watches it every week, and I just go do something <laughs> else. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, th- you know what? That's the thing. I mean, for people out there who are not married, you probably don't know how it goes because – when you're married, you have to have those shows that you watch together and those shows that you get to watch on your own and you, and you leave each other alone because you can't watch all the same shows. It just, it just doesn't work because there's not there's, there's going to be shows that you want to watch that your wife doesn't want to watch. I mean, like for me, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, The Americans, like my wife's not watching those. Uh, and now for me, I'm not watching Teen Mom. I'm not watching, you know, the reality stuff that my wife watches on her own so she can watch that uh but and it's fine a healthy marriage you, you compromise and, and then you find those shows that are in that middle wheelhouse like scandal Grey's anatomy uh orange is the new black i don't know what's the what, what's the top show that you and your wife watch together oh that's a good question we were big orange is the new black people and we did watch um let's see what's what's the good one that we've watched together top chef that's that's hmm. like the ultimate couple show to watch together okay. right there isn't it uh, and yeah. and the one thing I probably shouldn't admit publicly, but the thing that we started watching together in Orlando that we still watch, though we're like way behind right now, is The Voice. I don't know how yeah, that happened. Yeah. I can't even explain how well, it happened, but we watched The Voice. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Me and the wife have been watching uh, American Idol for 10, I don't even know how many years. It finally ended. Uh, so I'll cop to that. We never got into The Voice, thankfully. But, um, but, but, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, uh, we, I, think that, I think that's – a lot of married couples kind of have that compromise uh, because as a guy, you can enjoy the really awful uh, auditions and it's there's comedy value in there. And then and then the girls, they love the drama. Not not to generalize. I don't want you know, if anyone, but, you know, there, there's that good middle ground with those kind of shows. So um, let's face it. Not, you know, I'm surprised your wife is in the Game of Thrones. That's good. That's good. She loves she loves that kind of. I mean, that's her her favorite types of books too. So it was right up her alley. She had read them all. So she's really liking the season because it's beyond the book. So she doesn't know what's coming at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's great, man. You, you catch up, man. Get on it, man. Binge watch, binge watch, man. You're gonna be on the road this summer. I recommend you binge watch and catch up. So. Yeah, because when I have free time on the road, I have time to watch Game of Thrones and not like 
I've got stuff I got to do with somebody who I'm talking to right now on the phone. It's not saying, hey, what are you doing right now? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. It's my fault. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a good summer, man. We'll catch up. We'll catch up on all the shows and uh, watch the 90,000 soccer games that they're going to be to watch this summer. The show has gone on long enough. I think we've hit the hour and a half mark, which is pretty long. But I, hopefully this is a good show. It's great to have Paul back. Uh, I, I know I rode solo for a while. And part of that was because I didn't want to call Paul up at 2 a.m. and tell him to do a show. I wanted to leave him alone. But we're back. And hopefully we can keep this going. Uh, and hopefully you enjoyed the show. And uh, we'll be back with another show on Friday to recap Wednesday's action. Uh, and to preview the weekend slate. And also talk about wherever it is Kyle, uh, uh, Kai Kamara has been traded. Because who knows? There might be a trade already done by the next show. Uh, but that's it. That's all for now. I'm Ivis Kolarsep, and that was Paul Tenorio. And I hope you enjoyed. Definitely leave comments in our comment section on the site. Uh, let, and give us a review on iTunes as well. We haven't had any in a while. Uh, so definitely let us know how great we are or how bad we are and what you'd like to see us do more of. But that's all for now. I'm Ivis Kolarsep. This is the SBI Show.